before the election, I had to do this breathing exercise. And I remember like, I couldn't, it felt like my lungs weren't expanding fully. And like, I couldn't really get a deep breath. Um, and I was very concerned um, because I was like, you know, this is like a health problem. Something's going on probably. And I realized that, um, and in general, my chest, there was like this tightness in my chest. Um, And I realized what it was, was that was anxiety for me. Mm. It was a very um, uh, uh, somatic response um, to anxiety. And I feel like I'm gasping. And I felt like before this election, I've been gasping and that gasping is out of fear. And like, I'm like terrified and worried and scared. Um, And that's what, that's what it has been. Hi listeners, welcome back to Flesh and Bold. In this episode, Nia and I discuss the presidential election. We talk about what's on the line in this election for us personally, a study that discusses election anxiety, and we bring in Wayne Garris. He is one of the show's editors. He's our podcast chief political commentator, my brother-in-law, and all-around smart, solid dude. We left off with me answering my feelings going into Super Tuesday. Let's listen in to what Nia has to say. Um, I don't know. I feel like I was very different than every, like, liberal person and person of color and person that cares about like social justice in this country i like did not have any anxiety or fear going into it um i more was like okay let's do this let's get this done like i'm ready i'm ready for us to like come out vote mobilize all this stuff and get it done Mm -hmm. So I didn't have any anxiety or fear or um, nervousness, really. I just was like, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> I am low-key, high-key shooketh right, right, right now. And I'm the anxious one of us. I did not. Um, wait, wait. I need, <laughs> I need clarification. Okay. Were you not anxious? Because you thought, like, Biden's a sure bet? Or were you just, like, in a way, like, kicking into, okay, I th- because I feel like sometimes me knowing you, it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go into action mode, and there are, no, there are less feelings attached when we're in action mode, and we're just doing. Hmm. So. Um, I think that's a good question. It definitely wasn't because I was like, Biden's a sure bet. It more was like... there is no good option Mm. for me, I feel like. Um, There is a worse option, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. But I I just didn't feel like I'm going to come out of this victorious. Either way. Either way. Yeah. So it's just more of a like, okay, let's just do this. Hopefully let's get this clown out of office and and go. So I guess what my reaction to that is if like – there's no good option for you. Why participate, engage in the first place? 
I mean, I think that's a good question. I think that's a question that uh, Wayne would ask is like, especially for poor folks mm -hmm. and some folks of color, like the democracy hasn't like helped us mm. um, in like our civic duty and civic engagement and all that oftentimes doesn't result in better policy and better things, um, better lives for us, right? I think I I vote and participate in the process because, you know, I've had ancestors die and fight mm -hmm. for this, right? And also, like, I have to counteract all the foolishness on the other side. Yeah. So I'm going to not, I'm not going to not vote. Yeah. Um, but I also feel very disillusioned, like, like things are going to change because Biden's in office. Mm. Let me just say, I disagree with you. I'll circle back with, <laughs> in some ways, about uh, political processes not um, helping poor people or people of color. Okay. Um, uh, I, I get that there are degrees to that, right? Um, but... I, I think when I hear you say and use the word disillusioned, mm -hmm. I think of the the do-gooder that's like, oh, yeah, we have to make change. And you being like, okay, like, okay, <laughs> okay, that's cute. And you realizing that it's not going to change. And so, like, in the ways that you really wanted to change or needed to change. And so I'm just curious of, like, you, it. it is that how you view some people who are engaging as disillusioned? Like, like you're saying they're on the opposite side of the spectrum as me. Instead of disengaged, they're or disillusioned. They're very much engaged in, in buying in the. They're, they're buying process. into the process in ways in which you aren't. Um, I just I, you know, go back to that that quote that I think maybe we've talked about before is like. I don't expect the master's tools to, so, yeah, um, you know, break down, break the down their house. master's house. Yeah, and so part of me is like, yeah, I think it's important for the reasons I told you, because mm. my ancestors um, fought for this right. I should have it as an American citizen, um, and I'm not saying no change happens, but I feel like um, in some ways there are aspects that life won't change whether Trump is in office or Biden is in office for many people not for everybody because yeah. that's not true for everybody and so it's kind of in, in in the ways in which that I want life to change I don't think Biden or Trump will change those things hmm. for the positive let's say yeah for the positive so yeah I think there are people that are very engaged in the process um, and I think that's great, but I also am not sold on it. It seems like your approach is, some might, our listeners might hear this and be like, it's kind of pessimistic. And so I'm curious of what role has this approach or pessimism or whatever you want to call it played, like what, what, what function do you think it serves for you? Well, it's interesting you say that because I consider myself an optimist. Um, I think what you're hearing is cynicism mm. over years of being optimistic mm. and shit not changing. I have come to this. I don't think that I've 
felt this way over my lifetime or over the years in which I could vote and engage in the political process. I think it's having voted or being in elections or campaigning for people or signing people up to vote and things not really moving. Um, I think I've come to that conclusion. I've come to that. I think what it um, will what serves for me is that there are other ways to approach problems, and I think the political process is one way to do that, not mm. the only way to do that. So I think it um, ensures for me, even if this doesn't go your way, there are other things that you can do, and there's other ways to get involved um, that might help help you know disenfranchise and people that have been made vulnerable be less um vulnerable right so i really appreciate you saying that and sharing that because in your saying that and talking about the uh, cynicism that you experience and feel i think one of the reasons that i'm at all hopeful even though at sometimes it's um a reluctant hopefulness Mm -hmm. is because of my intersections specifically Mm -hmm my um at the my black intersection and my queer identity um when it comes to like my lifetime and politics that have happened in my lifetime Mm -hmm. i feel like when you talk about a needle moving i feel like a needle has moved pretty substantially for queer folks um in terms of like things that uh, we've wanted or asked for and let me be very specific um cis same gender loving folks um, you have to break that down for people. Yeah. So too many yeah. <laughs> similar uh, sounding yeah. letters. Well, well, they got Google. It's a quick Google. <laughs> um, but because, like, when I think of like, um, yes, uh, marriage equality, love is love, the movements around that, and I think of um, the recent um, end of um, uh, employment discrimination um, that was recently pa- passed, like. The needle has moved. Uh, I think for one very specific population. Yes. And I think there are clear um, reasons for that in ways that the same needle has not moved in as fast for other populations, would you say? Exactly. And I think that's where my, like, that, so my optimism exists, I think, because of my queer identities and my mm. reluctance exists because of my black identity mm-hmm. um uh so like in in holding on to this reluctant optimism or the non-belief or that that cynicism i think it comes together for me because of these intersections and probably also my male identity yeah. um or, or or mask and being perceived as mask oftentimes um and and grant you like other things um in which i have privileged identities for but yeah. But I think that's why it's so hard for me. And I think that's what makes it even worse for me mm-hmm. is that, like, people can change some shit if they wanted to, mm. right? We have been fighting for stuff as black folks, people yeah. of color, for hundreds of years. Yeah, for sure. And things haven't moved. Even, like, last year, to say Black Lives Matter, right. you, were, you were a radical. Now, at least that's more okay to say but let's see what like actual change happens. Like, yeah. and I think what that would require is for white folks, yeah. white queer folks, white whatever folks, white folks to 
to be willing to shed the advantages that come along with being white. And I, folks are not willing to do that. Yeah. I'm not saying it can't happen. It won't happen. Yeah. I hope that it will happen in my lifetime. But I'm not holding my breath. That's sure. why I can't be anxious about it. I think it's so beautiful, like the the metaphors that we use where I feel like you're gasp I'm gasping for breath and you feel like you're not going to hold your breath, right? <laughs> uh, um. In this segment of the podcast, Wayne joins us. Just some things to note about Wayne. He's a graduate of Georgetown Law, practiced discrimination law, and is currently a student at Harris School of Public Policy housed in the University of Chicago. Let's listen in to how he's feeling about the election. Uh, wow. So as far as just like the results of the election, you know, I feel okay. You know, I didn't, I voted for Joe Biden and, and it's looking like he's probably going to win. Um, so I'm happy about that. I think on like a bigger scale, on a larger scale, I think I'm not feeling so optimistic about sort of where the country is headed. You know, there's a lot of talk about voter fraud. Most of that seems to be nonsense, but people are really buying into it. You know, you got people storming ballot counting centers and protesting, you know, saying to stop the count in one place and keep the count going in another place. It just feels like, uh, depending on your politics, you're just living in a different reality. You know, it's not just like reality is the same. We just have a difference of opinion. It's like, mm-hmm. it's just two different worlds um, that we're living in. And I don't really see that changing. Mm. So that that is a little discouraging. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. So I wanted to know what your thoughts were about um, political engagement and the political process and voting and where you are with that. Um, You know, it's funny because you you mentioned I'm in policy school. So that's been like a big topic of conversation because we read this article, I guess like two weeks ago. Um, And the author basically, like his, his, I guess not hypothesis, but his argument was basically, basically like there's no, there's no real value in like one person voting. So you might as well just not vote. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of people, I mean, I'm like, I'm paraphrasing heavily. Okay. Um, a lot of people took issue with that. Um, I kind of go back and forth on it, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I'm cynical. Um, I think, you know, if you're a, a member of a marginalized group, I just don't think like partisan politics or like the electoral process is really gonna gonna do anything for you as as far as like feeling safe. Um, so, do you think voting's important? Um, I think voting's important. Like I vote, like I since I've been old enough to vote, I've always voted. I think it's important. I do get annoyed when other people, when people shame other people about not voting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think. I think I've told you this before. I think there's like some people, like if you're very poor, um, like your life's probably not going to change very much from from Trump to Biden. It probably didn't change very much from Obama to Trump. So I think like for, for somebody to like bash you for not voting, 
when really neither party's done much for you. I think sometimes people should pump the brakes on that, mm. um, trying to guilt trick people about voting. But I do think it's valuable and it's worthwhile. I think, like with Donald Trump, you know, I, I, I think there's some value, like at least symbolically, and like having someone who, you know, even if you want to say he's not like antagonistic towards these communities, he encourages people who are antagonistic to these communities. Like, I think there's some value in, like, no longer having him be president. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, like, black people were getting killed by cops when Obama was president. Like, Rodney King, when we were kids, I think that was George Bush. You know, so who's in the White House isn't going to change those things. There's still going to be racism, white supremacy, white supremacy um, homophobia, whatever. Um you know, I think I think it's definitely bad to have someone who who like encourages that or embodies that, like in that role. I think it's just a, a bad feeling. So I'm glad that he's out in that respect. Um From your lips to yeah, God's ears. There we go. But I I mean this is sad, but I don't know that like I'll ever ever feel like safe or safer just because like it's Joe Biden now. Because I didn't feel that when Obama was president. Mm-hmm. Like I think that is for me, at least, like that stuff is like completely separate. You talked about, um, I guess the the symbolic meaning of having Trump basically get dethroned, mm-hmm. uh, not be our president anymore. Can you talk a little bit about while he may not be our president and it's looking good for Biden? Mm-hmm. What does it, though, still symbolically mean that a lot of the country did still vote for Trump? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I wasn't really, I didn't really find that surprising. I mean, I think like this is kind of an overused thing, but it's true. Like Trump, Trump was just sort of like, like a fa- like a symptom. Like he what he doesn't like he came in and like turned all these like previously decent people into like these racists <laughs> and these homophobes. Like, like that's who they were, and he just sort of made them feel more comfortable and more proud to just be like open about and out with that. Yeah. Um and I think a lot of the a lot of the people well I was I thought he was gonna lose big because of COVID, not because of the racism. Mm. But I think a lot of people who are like you know, I see a lot of people like, oh I'm so shocked that all these people voted for this racist or like I'm so hurt or I felt like we you know, things would change. And I just feel like like how like, how could you think that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Not like to be mean, but it's like how, you know, how could you think that? I feel like a lot of it is, and maybe this is, I don't have this because I don't, there's no one that I'm really close with to my knowledge who's a Trump supporter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot to of people. To knowledge. Yeah, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel like it's people who have like family and like friends who support Trump and they just really want to hold on to this feeling of like, oh, like. So and so's a good person. Mm. So and so's not like that, but they just really like brainwashed by Trump. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. Like your uncle, whoever, like he likes Trump because like Trump speaks to him, yeah. and Trump says things that he agrees with. So he's gonna vote for him and like continue to vote for people like him. Yeah. And that's just the truth, and that's probably gonna be the truth for a while. I'm I'm so glad uh, you said that because my question for you is. 
so some people I feel like do try to separate. Um, I've heard some people who are Trump supporters try to separate themselves from Trump's like racist, homophobic, transphobic ideals and that rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, is it possible to support Trump and not be a racist, homophobic, homophobe, transphobic, or because you're supporting Trump anyway and these policies, yeah. you are by nature. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard because I'm kind of, of like two minds about it. Hmm. So I think it's like someone who's like interested in politics and kind of like studies it in like a semi-academic way. <laughs> like, I understand that it's possible for someone to be like, you know, I, I really don't care for the other stuff. But I just went like my lower taxes or I went my hmm. conservative Supreme Court justices. Like Or at, my abortion. Or no right. abortion. So just on like a purely like intellectual level. Like I get that. Cause I think probably even in things that are like less important, I think everyone probably does that. Like there's probably like a musician or a family member or a friend or whoever that you're like like this person says and does some stuff that's kinda messed up, but like I love them for these other reasons. So, like, I get that. But as, like, a person, like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, I'm just saying. So, if it's like, yeah, Wayne, like, I, I, I don't like the racist stuff. But, you know, I care about these other things. Like, to me as a black person, I don't care. Like, you voted like you voted for a person <laughs> who's racist. So, now I now have to live under a racist president. So, like your nuance is, like, cool. And I guess if I was, like, worked in a campaign or something, like, I would care because I'm trying to get votes and I'm trying to, like, figure it out. But in my day-to-day life, like, I don't give a shit. Like, we're not going to be friends. Like, (laughs) you know? So, I mean, I think a lot of that is more for that person's benefit to try Mm. to make themselves feel better about doing something that they know is probably wrong. Mm. I think the appeal... Of Trump, and I and I've been thinking this more since seeing that more black men voted for him. Mm-hmm. So I think what it is is like if you are if you are someone who is troubled by sort of like modern or like contemporary mm. like beliefs and ideas about race or gender or sexuality or, or any of those things. Like, those people have convinced themselves that they're, like, oppressed. Mm. So, like, white people think they're oppressed. Or, you know, you hear people talking about, oh, cancel culture, like, whatever. And I think black men do the same thing. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, black dudes are saying some real... <laughs> <laughs> not all, obviously, but, like, if you're in the barber shop or you got boys, like, people have some pretty, some pretty uh, terrible views on... on uh, gender or on sexuality and like people aren't really I think whereas before people were saying like these really bigoted things openly and there's no pushback there's pushback now and it's not even oppression it's just people being like yo you're an asshole stop but they think like they're being like censored I think I think for them Trump is almost like 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 a civil rights leader for them Oh my god. No, it's true. Cause it's like, you know, 
I can't, you know, I can't express my views about traditional marriage without someone calling me a homophobe. Or I can't say all lives matter without somebody being a racist. Like, I am oppressed. And then Trump comes through like, yeah, like, you can say those things. Because, <laughs> like, it's not, it's not right, you know? And we're going to, and I'm going to take it to the people who, who would tell you you can't say those things. And I think they're like, yeah, like, because you see it now. People are like, he, he fights for us. And I'm like, like, what is he fighting for? And, like, who is he fighting against? Like, who is, who is the enemy? And I think it's just, like, people feel like we're being overrun by, like, PC culture. And he's, like, the last, like, the last, like, real man, tough guy, like, fighting against that. Never. And I think black dudes are just as susceptible to that. But I feel like never have I ever heard the words Donald Trump and civil rights leader put together. Well, that's not original. I got that from somebody else. Oh but I was like, yo, I think you're right. That is scary to me. Yeah, I mean, it's sad, but it's true, you know? And, like, I don't know. I imagine there'll probably be a point when I'm older and I'm like, you know, shit is changing and I don't quite get it. <laughs> but I hope that I'm like, thoughtful enough to be like like just because I don't get something or don't quite understand it doesn't mean that like those people should have no rights Mm -hmm. you know until I figure it out you know Mm -hmm. like I'm not that self-centered I don't think you know like I don't get everything now like I don't understand everything about race and gender or religion or any of that but that's not a prerequisite for me to have you be treated like a human being, mm. you know? So I, I want to go back to something you said about um, Trump being not like the cause, mm. but more of like rooting out, you know, showing the symptoms yeah. of the, the disease in America, which is like all the isms. Mm. Um, I think that's important. And I want to know what you think about, this so one of the things I've thought about with respect to Trump is that like I don't think it's good that he's in office but I do like the fact that like people have come out and shown who they are mm-hmm. because there has been like a white liberal backlash to that and people that like are amb- ambivalent mm-hmm. about certain issues let's say racism and other isms are, are like oh this is terrible we have to do something like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. it's 2020 and people are still doing this and still killing people. Right. So in some ways, I'm kind of like, wow. Like that has been good for the movement that this like figure mm-hmm. has been able to mm-hmm. like catalyze movement it's on like either side. But right. Like to, it took that evil of a person. And I'm doing this in air quotes for mm-hmm. our listeners for people to like mobilize. Like it had to have a face and a look and a sound for people to like get up and do something, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think part of my cynicism, what scares me is that when he's out of office and it's a Biden or whatever, things mm-hmm. are good now. Mm-hmm. Like when Obama was in office, yeah. we're post-racial. Like that stuff doesn't exist. Go sit mm-hmm. down and be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like we're all equal. Right. Well, and we're not sexist now. Because... And we're not, right? So like, So like that doesn't go away. And part of me is a little nervous that the movement and the, and the people caring will stop or slow down mm-hmm. if Trump is not in office. But hopefully I'm very wrong I about mean, that. I don't think he's going away. Like, he's going out of the White House. 
But I don't think he's... Again, from your lips. Like, I don't think he's going to be out of public life. Um, Like, you mean political life? Public? Political life? He's just going to be around. You know what I mean? Whether he's on TV, has Um, his own TV. Like, his presence... It's going to be there. His his movement... Has started. Yeah, it's not going to... It's not like... That's scary. Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about, like, if he doesn't win, what will his role be still within politics (laughs) and, like, public life? I don't know. probably... Gross. I don't know, probably start like a YouTube channel. Just talk shit every day. It's <laughs> a harass Joe Biden. Um, you brought up this fear and anxiety and fear and all of the feelings. Um, I don't think that that's unique to you, and I don't think mm-hmm. that's unique either to 2020. Well, yeah, you're right. Um, so there's this uh, study um, that's titled Risk Factors Associated with Election related stress and anxiety before and after the 2016 U.S. presidential election, and that's done by Majumdar, Wen, Sacco, Mahan, and Brownstein. And basically what it said is that certain demographics might experience more election anxiety uh, pre-election and post-election. And so usually women experience more um, election anxiety pre-election, which I think that's uh, that wasn't the case for you, right? I know. I'm like, wow, one risk factor that I like, didn't fall into. And, uh, and, yes. and and we talked about why that is. And um, the, the issue with part of this research is um, because of certain ways the data was reported, they couldn't get uh, racial um, and ethnic demographics. So, so the intersectionality of it. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so, so that might be a big effect um, that may be at play. And then... Um, for Democrats and people of low, lower SES and lower income, um, they had higher levels of election anxiety post-election. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was from, uh, from uh, right after the 2016 election. So obviously, right, having already lost, they were mm-hmm. kind of worried about what was to come next. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I resonate with because I was worried, terrified, before this election, have been worried <laughs> and terrified. And so I'm hoping that Wayne is not only a lawyer, but a fortune teller <laughs> <laughs> as well. Any final thoughts? I hope, final thoughts, I hope by the time we release our next podcast, <laughs> we know who. A, our president is, and that president is Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, this Joe Biden. So, if you're listening to this and haven't been living under a rock, you know that Wayne's presidential prediction was right. We'd like to thank him for lending his voice and expertise to the show. While we were both over the election, me more so than my brother, there was a lot we had to cut out. Like what it meant for Senator Harris to become VP, our worries about what's still to come with the Democrats in office, America's political debt owed to black women, the harm of Trump's rhetoric going forward and what this means for future elections and future politicians and much, much more. Feel free to engage with us on our socials at flesh, the letter N, 
bold. We're on Twitter and Instagram. Stay bold, peeps. You don't have to be doom and gloom. If there is cause for optimism, you have record voter turnout. Mm. If you care about that kind of thing. Well, and also, and also, and also, <laughs> you know, it came down to three of like the blackest cities in the country. Yes, black people. Atlanta, Detroit, and then the greatest city in the world, (laughs) Philadelphia. So this tweet by Michael Eric Dyson, who I have been a fan of since from the very beginning, uh, tweeted, a terrorizing racist in chief who endorses white supremacy and who has endorsed racist groups whose aim is to hurt black people and other people of color has been defeated in large measure by black persistence, genius, and moral grace. Ain't no people like the one I got. <laughs> yeah, <word. laughs> well said. Yeah.